please pray with me this morning. Father God, as we enter into this this final chunk of Ephesians that we're going to be discussing, I just ask that you'd be with me and be with us, Father. That your words would be my words. That you would have your way with me, Father. And God, I just, I pray that this would be an encouragement to people. That the words that come from you this morning would be an uplifting edification to your people, Father. And Father, as we, as we remember this and, and all that we've learned over the last several weeks, Father, I just pray that you would keep that all in mind as we work through it and that we would be able to, to use that to tie it all together. So Father, I just pray that you would bless this service and bless Pastor Nick as he comes back this week, Father, that you'd be with him as he prepares to, to jump back into things. I ask these things in your name. Amen. Fantastic. All right. So, so I did not move my announcement sticky, and it's right in the way. All right. So, the armor of God. The armor of God. Over the past several weeks, we've talked about the gospel, right? It's the beginning of Ephesians. We talked about the gospel. Paul presents the gospel. Next, he starts to move into talking about how we live the gospel out. And now as a continuation of living it out, we get to talk about the resistance that we face as a result of walking out the gospel. And we often speak of this, uh, this resistance as spiritual warfare. Right, that's kind of a term we've all we've all heard, um, which can really instill this uh, kind of Renaissance imagery of a painting of the the battle of the forces of heaven and hell, fighting angels and demons and all that fun stuff. Which don't get me wrong, there is definitely a spiritual realm side of everything, but there's also something very tangible and real about that spiritual warfare aspect. It can be seen in the people that we meet and conversations that we have on a day-to-day basis. We can, we can witness the physical ramifications of that warfare there within the temptations that we face on a day-to-day basis. Self-doubt in the things that we're doing, preaching. Those things can all be used against us in the spiritual realm. But Paul provides us here with some very practical things that we can do to help us. And he's done that all throughout the book. These ideas aren't just pulled out of nowhere and thrown at us. Paul has been leading up to this throughout the entire letter. He's been preparing us to receive this instruction. So what we need to do is start by understanding and being aware of the battle itself. And to do that, Paul actually doesn't start by talking about the battle. 
he sets the stage with a word of encouragement, saying in verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He starts by telling us that we need God. He starts by telling us that we have an ally. And it actually mirrors the representation, or the, his presentation, rather, of the gospel. He talks about what God has done for us, and then talks about the evil, right? So he's telling us that we have an ally in God, and as part of God's family, as, a part, as, as an adopted child into the father's family, we have his backing and his full support. We have an inheritance, and part of that inheritance is the family's armor. And that helps aid us in our battle. So Paul is letting us know that we need the strength that is granted to us by God. But why? So now we enter into, oh, there's this battle. Verse 11, that you may stand, or may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. There are forces that are working against us and God. So think about the, the call throughout the, the letter to the Ephesians for a change of identity, right? We have former identities that are, are um, held in the grips of sin and darkness, right? There's that call to put off your old self, put on the new, lots of that throughout there, and we talked about that a few weeks ago. So this change is what brings us out of these schemes. The schemes are the things that hold us and pull us away from God. The things that we idolize and we replace God with. The things that come between us and God. And Paul addresses a lot of these attitudes and behaviors throughout the letter. And then he tells us that we need to shed them for a new way. Now, he also tells us in verse 12 that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. So this isn't, I mean, like I said, there, there certainly are physical ramifications, but this isn't somebody physically attacking us most of the time. That can happen. There's persecution and whatnot out there. But in our setting, yeah, that's, that's not happening. We don't have somebody physically attacking us, but there definitely can be physical ramifications. A lot of what we wrestle with can be thoughts, right? And that's spiritual. God's in that. God's in our thoughts. So as Christians, we can easily struggle living out what we're called to. I struggle on a daily basis. Honestly, I really, really do. It can be difficult to forgive. We're called to forgive. That's part of what we're supposed to do to show love to others. It can be really difficult to forgive, can't it? We can stumble with temptations. We might not show love to others because they don't share the same beliefs as us, or it's slightly different. So then we split churches and go off our own way. Right? Those are all acts of spiritual warfare. 
and to add to the it can have physical ramifications, it's proven that people who don't forgive, for instance, people who are um, letting that fester within them, they feel it physically. After years, you actually you can develop ulcers and different things because of where your head is at. If you are not walking in the spirit and walking with God, there are physical ramifications that can come out of that. But the good news is, Paul is pointing out, and he's aware that the battle has already been won. The battle's already been won, and that's talked about in chapters 1 and chapters 4, if you remember. And we're now called not to win the battle because it's already been won. We can't win that battle. That's beyond us. We're not called to win the battle, but we're called to stand. Paul says it twice in here, to stand. We're to stand firm. It's a mop-up operation. Already won. We're here to do the cleanup and to stand firm and to further the cause. Paul knows that God is greater, and that's why he led off saying that we need to lean into God. And then here's why, because there's this battle. Not, you know what, there's this real big battle, guys, but God can step in and help. No, God's greater. God comes first, and that's important. There's a reason he put it in that order. So God, being the loving Father that he is, he's given us the means to be able to proceed with our mop-up operation, to be able to stand. Verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Paul uses the imagery of the armor of a soldier, which might seem odd to us today, but if you think the context of, of um, when Paul was writing this and to the people he was writing it to, they would have known what a Roman soldier wore for armor. They would have seen them in the streets. They would have seen the armies, right? So it's something that would have really resonated with them. Before we move into that, though, I also want to draw your attention to Paul mentioning that he uh, that this is to withstand in the evil day. And I feel like I've seen something like this before. If we go back to chapter 5, verses 15 to 16, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Paul's telling us right here that this is practical. This is a practical application that we can use right now. We can use these tools because the day is evil. So let's look at the tools we've been given. And this is going to be very surface level. We've got the belt of truth. So the belt... In, in the Roman uniform, um, it held a lot of pieces in place, right? 
um, it was really important uh, for for keeping a lot of pieces in place um, and kind of holding it all together. So the belt of truth. Uh, truth is a really important concept in Ephesians. We talked about it a lot throughout the, the whole letter. There, the, the truth is revealed in the gospel. We see that in chapters 1 and 4. Believers must be truth-speaking people, chapters 4 and 5. And Paul summarizes truth in chap, uh, chapter 4, verse 21. He says, the truth is in Jesus. So we've talked about how Jesus is the ultimate picture of a, a lot of things um, that we are to reflect. We pretty much look to Jesus for that example on everything, right? So what Paul's telling us here is that we need to put Jesus on and imitate God. Jesus is the truth. The truth is in Jesus. We need to put him on and imitate God. We have the breastplate of righteousness. So the breastplate was worn over your chest area to protect all your vital organs and everything uh, from arrows and other assaults. So the breastplate of righteousness. The righteousness that Paul is talking about here, if we look at the, the, the letter that he's written, it's not our right standing before God. It's referring to the practical righteousness that we've talked about. An example would be in 5.9, right living. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true, in the way that we live. So these qualities reflect Christ and imitate core qualities of God. And when we actually live out our new identity, we don't give way for impurity, lust, greed, or injustice. The breastplate of righteousness is the right living. It's how we're living out from our heart. We're to put on gospel shoes. So good shoes or boots for, for Roman infantry, um, key part for them. Because they didn't hop in a tank or an airplane and go halfway across the continent. They marched there. So having really good um, shoes or boots that were really comfortable and, and lasted allowed them to go long distances without having to stop a lot. I mean... I know about going long distances with kids, and you have to stop to go to the bathroom every half hour, even if you just asked them. But the boots keep them going when their feet are sore. So we need to be ready to share the gospel. We talked about that, right? The Great Commission tells us to go and make disciples. So these shoes or these boots are so, so important Spreading the gospel is, is literally, it's what we're, called to, we're, we're all called to do in some form. And we talked about that a few weeks ago, too. We're, we're to all be um, living worthy of our calling. And we talked about how that calling was the call to minister in some way, shape, or form. So we need to take the gospel with us everywhere to share with others and to keep us going 
to keep us encouraged as well. The gospel is not just for new believers. We need to hear it every day. So we need to take it with us. We have the shield of faith. So there's, there's a lot of different kinds of shields. You got the, the little ones that are like a little buckler kind of thing. Um, but the, the word that Paul uses here for shield is actually talking about um, kind of a, a kite shield, something or a tower shield, sorry. Uh, a big shield that covers the body, the whole body. It's not a small shield that leaves parts of the body exposed. And our faith in Christ is a shield that helps uh, to protect us from those incoming blows. Our faith is strengthened by a strong, trusting relationship with God. And that develops with a life of prayer and growing in wisdom with each other. We also have the helmet of salvation. So, I learned a little bit about the helmets that the Romans had when I was doing this. So, they were actually pretty incredible contraptions for their time. They were really heavy. Um, They were made out of iron or bronze. They had these great big cheek guards. And they actually put sponge padding inside to help make it bearable because they were so heavy. Uh, In fact... (laughs) They were so heavy that most of us today probably wouldn't even be able to to wear them. Our neck muscles just actually aren't strong enough. Um, so they were they were like heavy, heavy defense. Pretty much nothing short of a, a heavy axe blow could penetrate these helmets. So we're to put on the helmet of salvation. And this, this is also in First Thessalonians 5.8. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So we're to, we're to wear the hope that we find in Christ. Yeah, we've got our faith, and we need to live that out. But we also need to remember that there's hope for things yet to come. And there's hope for those who don't currently have hope. And that's part of the gospel shoes. We bring the hope to people. And we need to live that out daily. Our hope in Christ comes from that trust that we've built. We're also equipped with the sword of the Spirit. So a sword can be both a defensive piece of equipment and an offensive piece of equipment, right? The specific sword that Paul is talking about here, that the word that he uses is, is for a short sword. So something that one would use for personal combat, up close and get in there. Um, it's not a weapon of mass destruction. It's not like William Wallace's Scottish longsword, broadsword, whatever it's called, where you pretty much need both hands and you can sweep and hit six people at once sort of thing. This is a short sword that would be used for one-on-one combat. So it's used for everyday personal use in close battles. And this sword is, as Paul says, the sword of the spirit, which makes it powerful and effective 
And in verse 17, he says, which is the word of God. Now, Paul's not using the word logos here in Greek, which um, usually refers to the gospel. He's using rhema, which is meant to convey spoken word. Paul's telling us that we need to speak the gospel. Again, spreading the gospel and fulfilling our call. Notice how it's not an internal thing completely. There's a lot of outward going on here. So as we speak the gospel into the darkness, we bring light into it. Again, familiar. We've talked about that. And this is how we deal critical blows to the forces that are against God, right? If we're spreading light into the darkness and getting rid of the darkness, then there is no place for the things of darkness to hide. It reduces the hold of the darkness on the world. Now, there's one more thing in here that Paul doesn't actually attribute to a piece of equipment. He, he, he continues with a call to prayer. Verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit. It's important to note that this is a continuation of the last thought. When you look at it, it's not a separate sentence. It's a continuation of, of what he was saying. It's another piece that we're to be equipped with. So that, like I said, there's no equipment attached to it, but we could, in today's modern world, um, attach a piece of equipment to this. Consider it the walkie-talkie of the battlefield. John Piper explains the importance of it like this. We cannot know what prayer is for until we know that life is war. Life is war. That's not all it is, but it is certainly that. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of this truth. Prayer is simply a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it, is, or as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. God has given us prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so that we can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of Christ advances in the world. Paul has told us previously that prayer was important. We've talked about it through Ephesians several times. It's part of how we develop a trusting relationship with God. And we can't discount it as a tool in the battle. If we're cut off from headquarters, as, as John Piper put it, if we're cut off from headquarters, we're missing, we're missing a lot, aren't we? Prayer is important. So to move into wrapping all of this together today and the last several weeks. 
regardless of whether there's a, a glorious battle in the spiritual realm happening or if it's just simply us dealing with the darkness in our lives on a daily basis, there's a battle happening. There's no refuting that. No matter how you look at it, there is a battle happening. And we're called to stand our ground. We're called to be prepared for the battle. And if we admit that we need God and we ask for help, we can stand strong because God is greater than all of it. We aren't, and that's why we need him. We have an ally who is ready to back us up. And yes, we're all in a battle. All you have to do is look around and you can see it. The hurt that's in the world. The division of people. Them and us. In every aspect of life now. It's all evidence of the darkness that we're battling. Because we're called to unity. We're called to be reconciled to one another. We're called to, to be a body. And we're not. Our body is broken. God's given us tools to stand up to this darkness, though. And we just need to be willing to do the work. We need to be willing to put on the equipment so that we can make it through, so that we can stand. Because if we don't, we aren't going to be able to stand. God's given us those tools. So putting it on, if that means there's, there's people who, who actually do a, do a thing where they put on the armor of God every day. If you need to do that to remind yourself of the things that you're supposed to be striving for to walk with God, then yes, do that by all means. The importance is that we remember that God has made a way for us. Today's passage isn't a bizarre um, piece that's just thrown into a, 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 into a mix of basic information and instruction. It's a brilliant conclusion to an amazing letter. It didn't just come out of left field. He's been working toward this. This is how we walk it out. And this is why we walk it out throughout the entire letter. Each piece of that equipment comes out of the practical instruction that Paul has already provided for Christian living. Throughout Ephesians, we talked about, here's, here's how you live out the gospel. That's all right here in the armor. He's saying, okay, this is why we do it. That's why it's so important. He's letting us know that there's, there, there's so much more at stake. So I encourage you, each and every one of you, remember the gospel. Remember that there are practical applications of the gospel for each and every one of our lives. Live out the gospel through those things. And remember that they're tools 
to help battle the darkness that's all around us. So thank you for the last several weeks. Thank you for walking with me on this journey as we've grown and learned together. And as we, um, as we proceed to the table, Velma is going to come and um, lead us in the Lord's Supper. Uh, as we proceed to the table, I just I ask that you'd remember what we've, what we've learned over the last several weeks. We're renewed through the Father. We're reconciled to one another by the work of the Son. And we're unified and walk together in the Spirit. Please pray with me. Father God, thank you. Thank you so much that you are with us, that you've given us the tools to live out the calling that you've given us, the great calling, Father. And I just ask that you would be with each one as we move forward, Father, that you would touch all of their hearts, that there'd be a new understanding that there's so much at stake, Father, but you've given us the tools You've given us the equipment to make it all possible. And Father, you're there with us. And Father, I, I just ask that you continue to keep on our minds all that you've done for us. Help us remember. Remember everything that you've done for us. And that you help us remember that in the darkness, Father, we are not alone. We have brothers and sisters right here. We have you, God. And that's what all of this was for. That we can stand in the evil day. So God, I just, I pray that you would... Um, that you would help us have minds of remembrance as we proceed to the table this morning, Father. I ask these things in your name. Amen.